Welcome to The Bright-Eyed, a podcast dedicated toward empowering teens to make a difference. Each week, I interview inspiring teens from all over the world to help share their story and talk about important global issues. Tune in to start your week feeling a little more inspired and empowered to make a change. We are more than capable of changing our world for the better. Let's see who's rising to the occasion. I'm your host, Daisy No, and this is The Bright-Eyed. Hello there, and welcome to The Bright-Eyed. Today, my guest is Vaughn Michael, a 17-year-old leader, writer, climate and equity activist, and grassroots organizer. Vaughn started his environmental activism in 2015 after his National Science Quest journey and contemplating on what happened during the 2013 Super Typhoon high-end disaster that devastated his island. He currently organizes with Zero Hour and serves as the director of Zero Hour Asia and founded Zero Hour Philippines. Welcome to the show, Vaughn. So good to have you. Thank you so much. Yes, um, and I, you're, so you're a climate activist and climate justice activist, and I would love to ask what inspired you to get into activism? Um, it was actually after Typhoon Haiyan in 2013. Um, it's commonly known as Typhoon Yolanda here in the Philippines. And one of my um, close relatives like was really um, affected um, and he got, he went crazy after experiencing the typhoon and, and seeing the inaction and incompetency of my leaders here after that disaster, I was really, really disappointed. And I said that youth activism and that um, student leadership is essential in this in this era and we need to step up so we can move our leaders to to take action yes um that that's super inspiring to see that you kind of saw uh you know inaction from your government and you were able to kind of rise up and try to do something about it i think that's so incredible and so I'd love to talk a little bit more about climate change and how it's impacted the environment around the world and particularly um, where you're based in the Philippines and how that affected kind of why you became an activist. Um, so um, climate change is a global phenomenon. We all know that. But the thing is, um, people like us who are living in the global south, um, in Asia, um, we are disproportionately affected by climate change. Um, countries like America, when you get affected by a typhoon or um, climate change exacerbated disasters, you can um, move on and recover from it um, just a few days after or a few months after. But we, it takes us years. It's been like seven years after Typhoon Ayan, and we're still recovering from it because we are poor. And aside from being poor, we also have incompetent and uh, inactive leaders here. So we are really doomed. So climate change is not just something that is going to happen. It's already here and it's been happening for years. And we want to, um, the climate change movement, the climate movement is, asking people and um, telling and educating people, especially youth, to take action and to tell their leaders that this is an emergency and we need to treat it like an emergency that it is. 
So you mentioned that countries like the Philippines, and I believe in India too, and a lot of other places are being disproportionately affected by climate change. And the fact that like those numbers or like the carbon emissions are not coming from those countries, they're coming from, you know, the United States um, and other like, you know, countries like that who aren't being as affected by this. How does that come into play when we hear the word climate justice? And what have you been doing to kind of fight for that? Um, for some people, um, they think that climate justice is um, it stops where um, governments from the global north um, agrees to cut down carbon emissions and go to a, become a carbon negative world and compensate us for the damages that they've done. But it's not just about that. Climate justice isn't just about that. Climate justice is also um, educating yourself that this is a serious problem and this is an issue and you need to um, teach yourself to be able to teach others and to change yourself and change others to take action and to fight for a better world. That is climate justice for me. Yes, I love that. Um, and I, I think that kind of makes it so that everyone can get behind it. And I, I think it just kind of makes the issue see that it's more like intersectional than we thought at first. So uh, thank you. That that was just such a beautiful way to put it. Um, and then what is kind of, I, I noticed that for you, your kind of specific emphasis on mobilizing youth in terms of this climate movement. And I, I just wanted to know why you think youth activism is so vital to this movement. Um, it's because um, I think that um, our voices and our actions in this space, as the youth and the children, um, it's essential because it is our future that is at stake and we are the one who are going to suffer from the inactions and from the decisions that are being made today and we need to be at the table and we need to have our our right to speak and decide for our future and not just for our future because climate change isn't just a future problem but it's present and it's happening so we need to also um focus on our present and not just our future Right. I love that. I, I think the thing that makes the climate movement so special is it's so youth driven, which is really inspiring. And I do see that kind of like it is our future and kind of our present, like you were saying. And that's why I think it's just so cool that youth are kind of heading that movement because it does affect us heavily. Um, and what do you think are some barriers for youth in terms of, you know, getting a seat at the table, like you mentioned, for getting their voices heard? Um in, in, you know, the fight for climate, uh, for climate justice and for people to change? Um, for a person of color, uh, um, a youth person of color like me, um, there are a lot of barriers, including racism in the climate movement. I've been told that I'm, that my story, my personal climate story is so exaggerated and that um, it's just, something that shouldn't be heard and that's one uh, racism in the climate movement um for in general um one of the barriers that we face as youth in this space is that we are always told that we are too young to have um to have a voice and in, in making decisions but we are not too young 
we we already know what to do with our lives and we we know we know our future we know our worth and we know that our lives are being um being decided right now and we and we know that we need to have a voice and have a say on that so yeah um being told that we are too young to be in the movement Right. I, I think that's a struggle. I When I speak to activists, that's kind of a struggle that they realize. They're like, every time I try to speak up or say something, I usually get talked down to. People don't listen to me because I'm young. And I, I think that really does need to change because uh, there's so much power in youth and you just can, can see it, just how much change we've been able to bring and how aware, especially I think this generation is and invested in like political and global issues. So I, I do agree. I think that needs to change. Um, and so you are the founder of Zero Hour, which is an amazing climate organization um, of Zero Hour Asia and as well as Zero Hour Philippines. So what has it been like running that organization and being like a grassroots organizer? Um, it's, um, it's not just like um, an easy work. Um, it's been frustrating. It's been um, um, consuming and it's been tiring working day and night and working every day. Um, to educate and to spread awareness about climate change, especially here that um, most of the people here are close-minded, um, are just conservative, and they think that this is um, this is um, some joke. What what we're doing? So um, zero hour Philippines started as a one man protest. Like I've been protesting since December twenty nineteen um, alone um, outside the Capitol building in Samar and in Leyte. Uh, I've been protesting alone and um, a few months after, um, I've recruited um, some powerful youth and we've created Zero Hour Philippines after that. And we've organized a lot of um, summits and conferences like the first youth climate conference in the Philippines. And we've gathered a lot of youth organizations and. Um, children and youth um, from all over the Philippines to be in the fight and to join us in the fight against climate change. Wow, that's so you uh, kind of spent the time, uh, you know, founding this on your own and being able to like have the courage and also stamina and like incredible like perseverance to do that. Uh, what kind of kept you going in the times where you felt like you were alone in this fight um, or in the times where it, it was kind of hard to be an activist? Um, what kept me going um, is the, the fact that this is my future that I'm fighting for. So even though like um, if you know that um, in the Philippines, activism is considered as terrorism and a lot of my friends, a lot of the people I know have been killed and have, are being hurt and imprisoned by the government. And it's really hard and sometimes scary. Uh, most of the time scary. So um, just thinking that this is my future that I'm talking about. This is my future that we're talking about that kept me going, that even though there are times that I just want to disappear because it's just too scary and just too much responsibility, I still 
kept going and kept fighting. Right. And then once your kind of movement, especially uh, where you're based, started gaining traction and started gaining support, um, what was that like? And what do you think changed um, after people started joining you? Um, I'm not really ecstatic about the fact that we're gaining um, um, people who believe in our in our principle and the thing that we're fighting for. Um, I'm more interested about the people who are going to believe us and not this not um, not those who already believe us because I think that advocacy means having to go beyond conversations with the people who already agree with you and that's what the most um, interesting part of my activism um, the, the challenge of being able to persuade people to believe, what you're fighting for. Oh, I love that. And is that something that you've kind of taken away from being an activist or are there other things that you have learned or ways that you've grown ever since you started? Um, I, yeah, um, um, I've learned that as um, going uh, through my activism journey um, as an, as a climate activist and as an equality activist here in the Philippines. Yes, I love that. And um, are for listeners who are listening to your story and kind of why this movement is important and who are interested or getting involved, what are some ways that they can, you know, join the movement and contribute as an activist as well? Um, always um, uh, try to find um, some organizations that are, are through and are um, um, doing a lot of things to solve and to help solve the climate crisis. But if you really want to do um, your um, solutions on your own, um, do little things like recycling, um, being being aware of what you consume and what you buy, and always, always choose to reuse first before recycling. Um, if you buy something, always think that if if this is reusable, buy it. If it is not, and if it's only recyclable, if it's not necessary, don't buy it. Always, always cancel out recycling. And also, um, if you really wanna um, do your part in fighting for climate justice, educate yourself educate your friends, educate your family. It starts with that. Yes, agreed. I think education and just like being aware of issues is super important, but that extra step to actually take action and act on it, act on the things that you're learning, um, I think is the more uh, significant part. And so for people who feel kind of either overwhelmed or they don't really know where to start in terms of learning about climate change and learning how they can contribute, what are some like starting points that they can use um, to learn more? Um, ask yourself, um, what has climate change, um, in, in what way climate change has affected me um, or affected my family? Always ask yourself. If you don't know the answer, try researching. And from there, um, expand your knowledge, expand everything that you know, and try researching more and researching about movements, um, organizations like 
Fridays for Future, Extinction Rebellion, Zero Hour, um, Re-Earth Org, Earth Day Network, and a lot of organizations that are fighting for climate justice. Um, because um, being an activist um, or being something that advocates for climate justice and for environmental justice, it's always um, a constant um, learning and unlearning, a process of teaching yourself new things every day. It's not just um, it's not just you're gonna learn something about climate change at the first day, then you're not gonna read anything after that. It's always learning and learning day after day. Right, and agreed. And I think there are always like kind of new phenomenons that are a direct result of climate change in different ways that it affects us. Like uh, just one example, I know in the US right now, there's like a huge heat wave going on. And that was like very, very recent. So and I think just like learning about those things makes kind of those issues real, those issues that like felt a little bit far away. Now we're very much close. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's such great advice. So if any listeners are interested, I would highly recommend you uh, following Vaughn's advice and doing some research on how it affects you. And so when you decide, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your activist story. Um, when you decided to become an activist and become a climate justice activist, did you have any fears or obstacles you had to overcome um, along the way? Um, yeah. Um, one of the fears that I've um, over, um, overcame um, was that I've um, uh, not being able to grow and like there are just there are times that you will be stuck in a certain space a certain time and you won't be able to move and that's one of the scariest thing and knowing that knowing that and accepting that um it's like a normal thing um i was able to accept that yeah there there will be times that i will be um consumed i will be um i'll feel like i'm doing nothing even though i'm doing a lot of things um it'd be it would be freeing you won't feel like you're a failure because um actually um using the word activist is so heavy because um there are people who are actually living living day by day in fear for their lives and calling yourself an activist just by attending protests or teaching yourself is a privilege because there are people who um, fight for their lives every day against um, climate change, against disasters, against their own government or killing them. Um, we should be thankful that um, we don't, uh, we don't, or you don't, um, experience what we're experiencing here. So, yeah. Right. Thank you for sharing. And I, yeah, that's, that's something that I think, um, I had to realize, especially being from the United States where, um, it's not, you know, dangerous to be called an activist or to call yourself an activist that there are people in other countries all over the world who, that, that is a very heavy thing to call yourself and a lot of weight to put on your shoulders. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I think that offers such a great perspective, um, widening beyond just like national borders. And when you, uh, 
you know, made that decision to become an activist, was there anything that you kind of didn't expect, um, either a challenge or like a good outcome that you weren't anticipating before you started? Um, um, before um, I called what I'm doing activism, I've, I've always been a student leader, but I wasn't acting like one. Um, I started joining um, student bodies in elementary. And it's only when I was in grade eight that I've realized that there's something wrong with our current, with our present, and I need to do something. And I need to use my privilege of being, um, being having um, the privilege to be elected in one of the supreme student bodies. Um, I need to do something and I need to wake people up. So um, when I was in elementary, um, I thought that student activism or student leadership would be too easy. It's just about educating people. It's about doing um, and um, doing projects, tan tangible projects, but it's not. What I didn't expect that here in the Philippines, it would be too scary because I got my first death threat when I was in for when I was 14 by publishing an article about the politicians here who are corrupt. And yeah, that was the most scariest, that was the scariest thing. And I didn't expect it to be this hard. So, um, wow, that's, that's um, such, uh, you know, huge deal and a huge story. Uh, I, I think the fact that you were, you know, you're still willing to be an activist for an issue that you're passionate about, even though your circumstances make it dangerous for you to do so. Um, I, I think that's super incredible and inspiring. And for people who are kind of also maybe in similar shoes, maybe are listening from countries where it is dangerous to speak up, but they're still passionate about these issues. Do you have any um, insight or advice for them on how they can do that and continue to do that safely? Um, um, take a pause when it's, when it's too dangerous already, take a pause, um, be low key, but never stop with your advocacy, just take a pause. And when it's, um, safe, it's never safe, but let's just use the word safe. Um, when it's safe to be vocal again, do it and advocate like crazy for freedom and justice. Yes, so for anyone who is listening and kind of relates to Vaughn um, in this circumstance, I, that, that is such great advice. So I hope you can take that to heart as well. Um, and for you, for an activist who is fighting for climate justice, what is kind of the changes that you are looking to see and that you are currently fighting for? Um, I'm fighting for right now um, is um, I'm fighting for um, white people, um, people in the global north to stop using climate activism to gain fame. There are people like us who have been fighting for um, environmental and climate justice all, all our lives. Um, I grew up with typhoons on my doorstep wanting to break in and 
we don't get recognized for our work. And um, there are white people or people from the global north who are taking away um, the privilege and the fame of um, doing these kind of things. When, when if it's um, when we are given the spotlight, um, like what they get, um, people would fund our works, and we would because funding for our works is very um, finding um, funds for our works is very hard, and it's always um, hard to do and to continue our work if we don't get the funding that we need. So um, I, I want to see that um, global northers, northerns and people in the global south um, work together and um, let um, from um, white people um, give us the mic to be able to speak up and to speak our stories and to tell our stories and share it to the world. Yes, I I love that. And I I do think that it's long overdue. Um, I think your story is just so incredible. And I I really hope that more people get to hear it and more people get to learn about how climate climate change is affecting countries outside of the global north and how, you know, we we kind of hand the spotlight down. I, I think that's just such a great cause to fight for. And a very, you know, inspiring thing to hear. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners are kind of clapping in support. But thank you so much for speaking with me. I learned so much. And it was so great getting to hear from an activist like you. Um, yeah, it's I, I just feel very inspired and uplifted right now. Uh, but before we go, I would love to ask you one last question. So if the whole world was listening to you right now, what would you say? I would tell the world that your voice is powerful and your voice matters. So never let anyone try to shut you down. Always speak up and speak louder and raise your voice so that the world, the whole world can hear it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a rating and review and follow or subscribe on the platform you're tuning in from. To see a video version of this episode and any other episode in season three, subscribe to the Bright Eyed Podcast on YouTube. For updates and more inspiring content, follow at the Bright Eyed Pod on Instagram. Tune in next week for another inspiring interview. And until then, I'll talk to you soon.